Good morning and welcome to everyone. What a beautiful morning this is. It's a great time to gather for worship. And uh, as we gather, uh, we want to just invite the Lord's presence. As we just sang that song, here we are to worship and to give, uh, to give thanks and praise uh, for all that God is doing. Now, one of these Sundays, maybe we need to just uh, take time in the service to just uh, share all of the good things that God is doing. Uh, this morning is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we have special guests with us, and they're going to be sharing um, about something that we are already engaged in and involved in. Uh, they're partners with us in uh, mission work, and we're so thankful uh, that Joe and Yvonne Garver could be with us this morning. I want to just uh, say a few words about that. They will be presenting here in the next uh, in, in an extended moment in mission, so it's more than a moment. Um, but it's an important theme. And I uh, want to just uh, give thanks for what they're going to share with us. They are part of Eastern Mennonite Missions. And uh, that is our mission agency through LMC, and we're excited to, to be a part of that. Uh, our congregation has had a long history of, of mission work and mission emphasis. Now, I will just say that after uh, their, their uh, presentation this morning and sharing with us and leading us, uh, they will be immediately leaving um, because uh, they will be going over to Emma and sharing with the Emma congregation, where Jean Hartman is pastor. And of course, we have many ties there because of Jean. Uh, and uh, we, um, they will be leaving to go over and, and share also with their congregation during their Sunday school hour. So if you don't see them after the service, that's where they are. They're uh, doubling up this morning. Um, I want to share a few few notes, and I won't go through everything, but uh, Joe began his role with uh, as the church partnership coach for Eastern Mennonite Missions in July of last year, and focusing on encouraging and developing uh, formal and informal relationships in mission activity with EMM, partnering congregations and business leaders. Prior to joining EMM, uh, staff... Uh, in this capacity, Joe served for 17 years on the Eastern Mennonite Missions Board um, from, um, let's see, from 94 to 2008, and again uh, from 19 to 22. Um, he also had served previously in a volunteer assignment in the Bronx, uh, New York City, and with his wife Yvonne and family, they served in Tanzania for a period of, of four or five years, and Albania for a year in 2005. Yvonne also served in the YES program. In fact, when uh, the former, uh, our former mission agency, uh, Mennonite Mission Network, uh, had started YES teams, I believe Yvonne was on the first, uh, one of the first teams that went, was sent out from then. Um, Having been a pastor for more than two decades, uh, Joe knows how easily God's, um, easily God's heart for mission can fade and be lost in life and, and in the local church. And he says this, quote, My passion for God's heart for the lost is front and center in this role. 
As disciples of Jesus, we all need to be awakened to the task that Christ Jesus left for the church. The gospel will be preached to all the nations, and then the end will come. Since the nations have come to us, this task can be done by anyone, both locally and globally. And I want to just say that that is a powerful word for us to remember that isn't just what we do here. God is at work all over the world. And I invite Joe and Yvonne to come up at this time. Um, Joe and Yvonne Garber, they'll be sharing with us and inspiring us, I'm sure, in, in uh, ways. We spent time yesterday, the pastors of our district here in, in the Great Lakes West region uh, shared together, and they were with us yesterday. And it was really an inspiring time of remembering God's call for all of us, and particularly for his church uh, in our work and in, in his work in the world. Um, Joe and Yvonne, blessings. Good to have you here. Let me just say one other thing. This is the couple that prayed me home safely on my drive from Lancaster uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, they grabbed me in the foyer and said, are you driving home? And I said, yes. And they prayed. And if you remember, I told you, I, you know, sometimes all the, elevator, all the elevators aren't going to the top floor. <laughs> Found out into Ohio that I had never turned my lights on. And it was completely dark by that time. And so for safety through the storms, they had grabbed me there in the foyer and said, can we just pray for you for your travels? And what a remarkable thing that was. I remembered that as soon as I turned my lights on, I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Let, let's just offer a prayer together for Joe and Yvonne. Lord, we just thank you for your work. And we thank you for your love for us and for the difference it makes. Uh, Lord, transform us. Inspire us, Lord, yes. to be what you've called us to be and to do what you've called us to do. Use Joe and Yvonne this morning here and at Emma. Bless them and continue to multiply their work as they inspire the church to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you. To be who we're called to be and do who we're, what we're called to do. That was powerful. Thank you for that prayer. And we are just so happy to be here. Um, we just want to say thank you for the way you have embraced EMM and the mission of God that goes all around the world. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your sending. And um, we just want to say thank you for that strong support. So um, we're here for the next, let's say, 30 minutes or so just to focus on God's heart for the nations. So we're lifting ourselves out of Goshen, right, out of Elkhart, out of this region, out of those bubbles that we live in to think much broader this morning, what does it mean for God to have given the Great Commission and for us to be somehow engaged in that because we're followers of who? We're followers of Jesus Christ. And he's the one who said, go to the nations. But you might wonder who we are. Here's who we are. Sometimes we, when you see children and grandchildren, you say, oh, so that's their family. Yvonne, why don't you introduce them? Yeah, we have a son and two daughters, and the, the son and daughter, uh, the son is in the blue, the daughter, the youngest daughter is in the yellow. They both have two boys, so we have four grandsons. Um, the 
the one in the yellow, Kristen is expecting any day <laughs> in the next two weeks, so we're hoping that we get home in time for that. Um, and then our daughter, Sharice, is in the center. She is in residency at Washington University, which is Barnes Jewish Hospital. So we got to visit with her while we were um, on this trip. So if you ever get to Lancaster, visit Longwood Gardens. That's where that picture is taken from. So um, sometimes we wonder how things get started. And Yellow Creek has its story, and other churches have their story, and Eastern Mennonite Missions has its own unique story. And it began when a boy asked why. In 1869, 150 years ago, 154 years ago, this 11-year-old boy, John Mellinger, was sitting in a church service and um, he heard a message from Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Let's read this together. This is the text that was given that morning. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. After the service, John, 11-year-old John and his brothers, I think he had like three brothers, they got in the buggy. This was horse and buggy days, right? And they got in the buggy and he said, Daddy, maybe he said, Mommy. I don't know what he said, but he said, Why? Why did they only focus on teaching them to obey? Why? Why, why didn't the preacher talk about going and making disciples of all nations? An 11-year-old asked that question. And that really gripped his heart. And over the next several years, he just kept wrestling with that. And as he wrestled with that, he, uh, him and his brothers started to think about how creatively they could like, answer this question. So they started Sunday schools. And that's how the Sunday school movement got started, in the, which started probably first in the Lancaster area and then moved west as time went on. But... Uh, so it branched out of their farming communities, right? It branched into local villages and further than that, then after a while to Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, and the urban center. So that's what John set himself to do. Okay, if we're not going to the nations, let me find out how I at least go beyond the borders of, my far of the farm where I'm being raised. So um, just to think about, and you received a paper in your bulletin that will help you reflect on some of these questions. This one's not in, but just to think about, why do you think the preacher chose to focus on teaching them to obey? This is 150 years after they came from Europe, 150 years after the persecution, and they were fleeing, and then they were probably quiet, and they were probably trying to protect their families, and maybe it was just hard to think about doing anything else. And maybe that's why the preacher just talked about, let's, we have to know how to obey. But he didn't get to the part of obeying that means about going, you know. And so John had a lot of questions that day. So, um, so time went on. The next 25 years as he wrestled with that, yes, the Sunday schools got started. And then by 1894, when John was 36 years old, he gathered 11 other friends together it almost sounds like the 12 disciples now, right? And they were praying together, Lord, what does it mean for us to go to the nations? And as they prayed for those next 20 years, I'm sure Sunday schools kept developing. And by 1914, John became the first president of what was then called Easter Mennonite Board of Missions and Charities. And so that was momentous for that era. 
LMC was developing into a missional agent, missional church thinking, and has now a president of Eastern Mennonite Board of Missions and Charities. And then as you move forward, but before I move forward, by 1914, John is 56 years old, and by 1915, there was a little girl in Kansas whose name was Phoebe Yoder. Yvonne, why don't you tell us about Phoebe Yoder? Yes, Phoebe was 12 years old, and she was having her personal devotions, which I think is wonderful, 12 years old, having her devotions, and she felt the Lord say, I'm calling you to proclaim the gospel in Africa. 12 years old, in Kansas, a girl. And she didn't know what to do with that, but she thought she would start tithing her money. So she would tithe her money and send it to um, Elkhart, which would have been the where the Mennonite Board of Missions was there. And so they were collecting that in a little kitty for Africa. So then by 1933, when uh, in December, at the end of 33, John was 75 years old, and it was at that time where that they were ready to like pursue a vision for foreign missions. After many discussions, after many meetings, Ori Miller and also Elam Stauffer, they left on a boat to go to Africa to see where this thing might take place. So let's just reflect back now a little bit because an 11-year-old boy and a 12-year-old girl and now think about their mother, right? This is Mother's Day. Mo mothers have a great influence on how even children uh, gain some things like these children gain. Like who is telling this 12-year-old girl, like what was going on in that home that she was having her devotions away? Something was being modeled for her. Or what about John, 11 years old? What was being modeled in his home that he even began to ask the question, Why? So I, I've just put it out there, like our homes are powerful places and ministry centers for raising disciples of Jesus. In fact, it begins in our homes. So we could think about what were the barriers for going. Okay, it was 1934, it was the Depression era, and how can we make this thing happen with, uh, with all that's going on in the world right now? But they still wanted to make it happen. So write down in your paper what you think some of the barriers might have been 154 years ago, like going to... Going to, mission, going to the world missions. Just write it down. Maybe you're thinking transportation. Maybe you're thinking communication. Um, remember young people, this is before WhatsApp. This is before like the instant messaging that you can do. Like I get messages almost every day from Tanzania on WhatsApp. And they're telling me how things are going, how the church is growing and things like that. And so every day, and I can even get a video call going on if I wanted. But this was way before that, right? So think about the barriers then. Now think about the barriers now. Why? What is going on now? What if John Mellinger was here among us, president of EMM, 1914, and this is about 100, whatever, 100 years, 120 years ago, 110 years ago, and he would say, what are your barriers? Like back then, we had to get on a ship, and it took two months to get there. Back then, we couldn't even communicate except by a cable. In fact, EMM, LMC didn't even know where John went until like two months, or where Ori went until two months after they got there. They ended up at a different place because of just learning that, that the area of Ethiopia and Sudan weren't the right place, so they went to Tanganyika. And so all those things, like it's different today. But still we have barriers, still we have family, still we have businesses, still we have the things that are like, it's difficult to go. Well, there was 
This, this line that was said by my great uncle, Henry Garber, who was chair of the mission board, he said, well, we have few finances, but we have great faith. And that was the impetus that sent, that sent the, the missionaries to East Africa. The few finances were what were sent from what Phoebe Yoder had sent to Mission Network, because Mission Network says, oh, let's send that to EMM, because now they're sending to Africa, and we have a kitty here for Africa. And Yvonne, how much was that? It was $9.69 that she had collected. But I think what um, Henry Garber was seeing is that child had, had done, like what the great faith that was, um, that was happening to um, even collect that money over those years. And Phoebe also went soon after that. She was one of the missionaries that went. But, but he, took, he wanted to encourage them to take that step of faith. So yes, Ori and Elam Stauffer got to Tanganyika. Ori returned home, Elam, Elam stayed, and then soon after that, in the spring of 94, uh, Elam's wife joined him and another couple joined him. They were escorted to New York by 475 people aboard a 10-coach train. Isn't that amazing? Um, it's like there was great faith, and the finances were released, and Missions was born in 1934 during one of the most... Uh, Difficult times to do anything. The great, the great Depression. My dad was born in the Great Depression, and he hardly has any pictures, hardly has any baby pictures. So you can know, you, we know how hard it was for people during that during that era. So anyhow, in '93, the name was changed from East Mennonite Board of Missions and Charities to EMM. And today, in, at EMM, there's Kingdom teams for youth groups. In fact, this church here sent a Kingdom team with Doug and Don Gerber to uh, to Lancaster back in 2019 and you help them go. There's Advance, which is more like YWAM, more like the YES team that Yvonne was part of, where you have a three-month DTS and training, and then you do an outreach with some mission workers somewhere that are connected with EMM. There's short-term, long-term. There's a local immigrant community, which you also have here in this community that we have in our community that we're focusing on, and we have training and equipping and mobilizing events that, we're, that we'll touch on at the end of our presentation here. But first of all, we'll introduce you to where we are. Brick and mortar wise, we're right in the center of Lancaster City. This used to be a car dealer place. Downstairs now is the outreach to the community. There's a coffee shop that's opening up very soon. Upstairs is where EMM and LMC have their offices. So Bishop John Nissa, your bishop, has his connecting points there in an office that's located on the second floor where we also meet uh, to have our offices with EMM and LMC very close together, and Hub 450 is what we call the, the first floor meeting area. So we're very much collaborating together now. And just to say we're separated completely from MCOSA, we're, we're an LMC, Fellowship of Anabaptist Churches, and, and EMM and LMC are very closely connected. LMC is, in fact, the moral owner, what we call the moral owner of EMM. So anything that goes on with EMM needs to be theologically in line with where LMC is at and uh, we're very thankful for this collaboration that we're involved in. Introducing you to our president, Marvin Lorenzana, on the uh, left, and he, be he came to, our, to be president in February 2021, and 20 years ago he came from Honduras, and if we go back far enough, he was 10 years old when an EMM missionary went to Honduras, Ed and Gloria King, the name might be familiar, but Ed and Gloria King went to Honduras, and that's when he learned to know about Jesus, when he was 10 years old. So he's absolutely passionate about 
going to places that have not yet heard about Jesus. Because he looks back at that moment as a kairos moment for himself. Where would I be if Ed and Gloria King wouldn't have came to Honduras? And so the rest of this presentation is about, it, draw, it flows out of his passion for how do we go to the nations, to the places that have yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, of which there are many in this world uh, where they have not heard the gospel yet. So Yvonne and I folk, uh, have this role now as church partnership coach. Yvonne partners with me as she is able on a part-time basis, and we love traveling together to places like we are today. So God's heart for the nation is really about blessed to be a blessing. What will our story be in the years to come when our grandchildren wake up someday and grandpa and grandma aren't around anymore? And they'll, they'll tell me about grandpa and grandma. What will our story be, right? Like John Mellinger had a story. Phoebe Yoder had a story. What will our story be in regards to how we help to promote the, the mission of God? So we begin with this question that's not on your paper, but something you can consider. What is the purpose and plan of God from the book of Genesis to the end of the age? Ponder that as we go through some of these next couple slides, teaching slides from the Word of God. Let's read this together from Genesis 12, 2 to 3. Let's read. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. You will be a blessing, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Tell me, who's, who was that said to? Just say a name. Abraham. Abraham was given that word from God, an amazing word. And what we think about when we think about the I will bless you, that's what some teaching would call it a top line. That's a top line blessing. And if there's a top line blessing that says I will bless you, then there's also a bottom line part to that. It's easy to pray top line. We pray, we pray blessing over Wes, as he traveled, right? We bless Wes as he travels back and bless our families. We, we prayed for our family this morning when we were walking around the, the lake. God, Father, bless our children. Bless them where they're at. Bless the church service. Bless Yellow Creek as we meet today. And there's nothing wrong about In fact, we have to pray the blessing. We've been blessed, though, because, and because we've been blessed, there's also a bottom line that you will be a blessing. He told Abraham, I'm blessing you so that what? You will be a blessing. And you'll be a blessing to all peoples on the earth. And all peoples on the earth, as a result of this bottom line blessing, will be blessed because you have been blessed. So um, this is like front and center to why we're here this morning. We've been blessed. We know we've been blessed. And how can we then be a blessing to all peoples on the earth? God's purpose, we believe, is global. It's for the nations. It includes all peoples, all nations. And here you have four different nations that are pictured here on this slide out of the 17,000 different people groups that are in the world today and language groups. So we're going to do a little exercise here. Yvonne, why do introduce it? Yes, we want to declare what some of these scriptures are that tell us to go to all nations. So um, we have these um, references divided in A and B. So I think... Um, so we do women and men? Yeah, it's Mother's Day. Yeah, well, how about we'll, women will do... A, and the men can do B. We do not need to say the references, but um, I think I'm going to invite everyone to stand, if you can. Yes. And we can, um, we'll do A, and the reason that some of the words are in red is just for emphasis, to, for you to realize what is, um, 
being said in those verses. Now, this is over half our presentation, so there's quite a few slides, all right? So uh, just stay standing until we tell you to sit. So let's start. We're going to do A, the men. You said? The right. women are going to do Women do it. Okay, it's the Mother's women are going to start. It's Mother's Day, all right, all right? Let's uh, start with the ladies, and then the men will pick up on the B slides. Okay. We have A and B on every slide, all right? So we'll stick to one side, then we'll go to the next one. Okay. Okay, women. I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. All the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. So that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth, your possession. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still. So that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. I will make you a light for the Gentiles. That my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. All the nations, all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. My name will be great among the nations, from where the sun rises to where it sets. That was the Old Testament. Let's see what's happening in the New Testament. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Isaiah says... The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will rise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. Now let's all read together. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, so that all nations might come to the obedience that comes from faith. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Well, why don't you be seated? And now think again. What is the purpose and plan of God from Genesis to the end of the age? Anyone have a comment? That the world shall know. Do we all agree on that? That the world shall know. It says in the word of God about all nations, all tribes, all peoples, all languages coming to worship God. 
It's compelling, right, when you start reading those verses one after the other, and that takes place in the Bible. The reiteration of the Abrahamic blessing gets retold 395 times in the Bible. And it's quite prevalent in the prayer book, the book of Psalms that the Jewish people had. And so it's just amazing even how Jesus picked up on that, the early church picked up on that, and even we could say the Great Commission picks up on that, right? You've, you've been blessed, so now go, go to all the nations. So we're going to watch a video now, and on your paper there's a, it'll say reflect on this video. So we're going to pause at the end of this video, it's about three minutes long. At the, at the end, we'll just leave you without, so it's going to be quiet. We just want you to reflect on it and write something down in terms of what God is saying. This is the story of the Bible, God bringing people to himself. And when we read the Bible, we see how God went to great lengths to do this, and how much God cares about people knowing him. You most likely already know this. And you probably live somewhere where people have a general understanding of this great love story between God and humanity. And if they don't know yet, there's probably somebody in town who can tell them. But did you also know that there are three billion people who will live and die without ever hearing this story? Not because they don't care, but because they don't have a choice. Nobody ever told them that once upon a time, God became a human just like them, so that he could teach them how to know their creator. 40% of the world doesn't know this, and they won't know this. Not unless something changes. Not unless someone goes to tell them. Jesus is our wonderful example. He left his natural home to come to us, and then he tells us to do the same thing. Because we love Jesus and care about the same things that he cares about, we care about this. That the whole world would know him. That every tongue, tribe, and people group would come and be able to worship him. So the question is, are we doing this? Going out into the world to bring the gospel to every tongue, tribe, and nation? Well, kind of. While churches do send people out, almost half the world still doesn't have any access to the gospel. But how is this possible? Aren't there people being sent? Well, yeah, there are about 400,000 people serving across the world today, but only 3% of them are actually going to the 40% who have never heard about Jesus. The other 97%, they're going to places that have already heard about Jesus. There's an imbalance. That imbalance leaves only one person for each 250,000 people who have never heard about Jesus. Put another way, we have a spirit-led calling to rethink our focus. When you look at how we use our resources, such as money, the picture doesn't look that much better. To be specific, Christians around the world are giving about 2% of their income to Christian causes. And less than 7% of that is going to cross-cultural workers. And of that cross-cultural giving, only 1 one-hundredth of that 0.1% is actually going to those working with the 3 billion people who don't know Jesus, have no church, or any Christian neighbors. The other 99% of all cross-cultural giving goes to the rest of the world that already has Christians, Bibles, and churches. Are you seeing the imbalance? Only 3% of our workers with only 1% of our cross-cultural finances are going to the 3 billion people who have never heard about Jesus. So we have to ask ourselves, are we okay with this? We want those 3 billion people to hear about the kingdom of God and how much God loves them. There are 17,000 ethno-linguistic groups in the world. People who share language, culture, and common history. 7,000 of them are considered unreached people groups. 
These are entire cultures who have never heard the amazing story of how Jesus loves them and came to save them. God has called us to pay attention to this, to love and care for the same things that he does. He put this desire on our heart to see the unreached reached with the amazing story of the love of God. We want to see lasting local church planning movements begin among these people groups that brings renewal and transformation among these cultures and societies. Why? Because God has moved our hearts to see the gospel transform whole societies among the unreached. We know this task is bigger than us. Many of the areas that are in need of the gospel are difficult and resistant places. It isn't something that can be accomplished overnight, but by the power of the Spirit, we endeavor to preach the gospel where Christ is not known so that God can be worshipped by all peoples. Let's read this together. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. This slide shows the unfinished tasks that Joshua Project is keeping track of. This is slide is from 2020. And uh, the red dots indicate the unfinished tasks, the unreached people groups that are found within this, what we call the 1040 window, which is 10 degrees north of the equator to 40 degrees north of the equator. It's a hard to reach area. It's almost a no access area because of religion, because of the geographic area that it is in, mountainous or jungle, uh, war, famine, lack of water, lack of food. But we need to find ways to get there. So when Marvin came to EMM, he said, we need to find ways to get to the next new frontiers. Back in 34, Tanzania was a frontier mission place that had very few Christians. Ethiopia then, Honduras, and other places. But now where is it? So as his team got together to pray, and they spent a lot of time at his sermon on this. They, they discerned that not only in Lancaster, where there's a huge immigrant population of many different nations coming to Lancaster, but we also need to go other places. So West Africa, Central Europe, Central Asia, and Southeast Asia have now become our focus. And I see in your pamphlets back there on your, at your bulletin board, you have a pamphlet in there that helps you understand these five focuses that we have. And so to go on from that... Um, this is where we want to go. This is where we want to send. And this is where we want to send, send people. But not only from America, we want to collaborate with other places around the Christian world that has now grown into Christian missionary sending agencies from the places that were birthed years ago by the Mennonite mission work uh, through EMM. And so... One of those ways that we're collaborating is through a group that's called the International Missions Associates, which is a group of leaders from these, these mission agencies that pray together the first Friday of every month to help pray into what does mission look like and what does it mean to collaborate together to reach the unreached of the world. And so we're so grateful for what's happening today. Even recently, Marvin made a trip to Southeast Asia, to Thailand, 
and was met there by another mission leader from Philippines and another one came from Virginia, I think it was. Of course, they had the leaders there from Thailand and they said to the team from Thailand, they said, we have a group, an Ormish people group here and there's many in this country, but we want to go to the Isan people. Can you help us go to the Isan people? We already sent one family to that area and we need help and we need some people to help us to go into that group. It's 80,000 some people who have who have to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's just a small example of what it means to think about all these various, and we just named a couple countries here within these regions that we're beginning to focus on. So um, just to note, when you think about Central Europe, for example, and your, your uh, church sent four years ago some youth to Lancaster to be on a kingdom team, that was a local event. That was an event that just happened like around that local area in the Lancaster area or maybe Lebanon. But next year we want to send, a, we want to do not only local but also global. And so we have a mission worker in, we have mission workers in Czech Republic that they're saying, can you please send us a youth group next year to help us with youth and children's ministry? So um, tuck that back in your mind, right? Youth workers and and parents, maybe there's two or three, for example, from Yellow Creek that can, that can join some other youth to go to Czech Republic next year uh, on a K-team. So what is God saying to you or your local church? So one, one way we can think about that is four different words, and we're going to have the, you write these on your paper, maybe under this section where it says, we are blessed by God to be a blessing, and it has some other questions there, but write down these four words, and we're going to let you visualize how you already are able to be part of the Great Commission. The first word is, Yvonne? The first word is go. That's, that's what we've been commanded to do is to go. And for example, your, your youth group did that the other year, right? They went. They, they said, we're going to go. We want to go to Lancaster to learn more about the mission of God. So that's just a small example of go. And then the second word you can write down is send. So the first word was what? And the second word? So how did the kingdom team, how did your youth group get to go if nobody would send them, right? So were there people here at Yellow Creek that said, yes, we want to see you go. So you did what? You sent them. You probably prayed for them before you, they left. You probably gave finances. I think it was several thousand dollars. You sent, so, you said they could, so they could actually go. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to go. So we have go and and the third one is welcome. Yvonne, what's an example of welcome? Well, welcome is to, it, there's this tendency that we have when we see someone from another culture, maybe even locally, that we think, well, I don't know what I would say to them or whatever. But it's, it's just important to not be blind to those people and to think of ways that we can welcome them into our, um, in what would be our home. In Lancaster, we find... Um, a lot of gas stations, I think. Um, I was thinking of the example that, that you had. Joe had an EMM T-shirt that had love in different languages, and so when he went into the gas station, he said, is, is your language on my shirt? And then the man looked at me, and he looked at the shirt. He says, oh, yeah, there's my language, and it was Hindi. And so the word love in the language of Hindi is written on this EMM T-shirt. So there's many different ways that we can welcome. It doesn't matter what nation you're from, you can welcome people from another nation. And I remember even the, the refugee family that moved into our community from Rwanda, 
It's like we went to welcome them, but they also did what? They welcomed us, you know. And so this welcoming is a mutual thing that builds a a camaraderie of of community that is powerful in in any area that we live in. So welcome is the third one. So we have the three are go, Okay, there's one more, and we're going to uh, go through this slide and, and a couple last slides, but how can we mobilize? Mobilize is, a, is the fourth one. One way you can mobilize is to form prayer focuses. And so perhaps Wes and your mission leaders here and youth groups, whatever, just begin to pray over these regions, and, and I believe that even this church will land on a particular region. Because that's how God works. When we start praying, then he starts like speaking to us about a particular region. And then, we can, then you can say, then after a while, Wes might contact me and say, Joe, we've landed in this region. Can you please keep us informed about this region, what's happening in that region? We want to give to that region. We even want to perhaps send to that region. And so that's, that's one way you can mobilize. And these are on the back table. When we leave, we're just leaving the things there. So if you want to grab one of those um, and feel called to pray. It has the, the five regions and instructions on um, things about that that can help you to pray. When we were at um, Pigeon, Michigan, we found out that Central Asia is on the front, and they said, oh, we've been praying for an unreached people group there for the last number of years. And so it's just interesting to see what God's already doing where God is already at work. So in closing up here, you can certainly at some point throughout your devotional periods in the next weeks just write down, I will, I'm going to do this, I'm going, like, and I will state that connects with how you've been challenged this morning. So ways that mobilization is happening is through a Kairos training course that we're doing at EMM right now. We're running another one here this fall. The two Saturdays would need to be in person. Of course, those who live close are in person the whole time, but... If you want to take it, you can sign up, but you need to drive there for the two Saturdays in October and November that are in person, and then the other ones can be online. But we'd love to have this course be found and lodged somewhere in this Great Lakes West District so that more mobilization can happen through this training course. And you're wondering maybe, what is this? That circle on the right side kind of captures it. Because many times in our churches, we have a worship, worship department, we have finance department, we have a we have a Christian ed department, we have fellowship department, and, and all these things, but really we need to put the mission, the Great Commission at the center, and from that everything flows out. Like worship flows out of the Great Commission, and, and then we have the teaching flows out, discipleship flows out of the Great Commission, the finances flows out of the Great Commission. So all these things work together out of the Great Commission. So when people take this course, they become deeply rooted in the heart of God for the nations of the world and for the communities that we live in that stirs and mobilizes us in our hearts to be about the work of God. So we would love to have some of you come and be involved in that course. Go on emm.org backslash learn and learn more about that. You can also learn more about Radix, which has different platforms on there that you can just click on and take a course. Uh, Some are self-paced, some are cohorts that you can sign up for and be involved in a live cohort that happens virtually. But we're here to serve you and to equip you and to grow you as, as partners in the kingdom of God for the mission of God. So we just want to finish by praying. 
over this congregation. And, and one way I would like to do that is to have, um, are there any people here that were part of that kingdom team that went to Lancaster back in 19? Are you here? Can you, can you stand if you were part of that team? Is there more than you? That's so awesome you're here this morning. Oh, look at this. They're popping up everywhere. That's so good. That's great. And now, okay, so they're part of that kingdom. Just stay standing. They're part of that kingdom team that went, right? You guys sent them. Their lives have been radically transformed because of that, I'm sure. And they're here yet with you today. Now there's others here of you that are, that let's say those younger than that, right? If you're younger than that, please stand up. Nobody here younger than that? Are they here? They're gradually standing. Yep, here we go. couple standing up. We just want to pray a prayer over all of you and just for the way God desires to mobilize this congregation into what it means to go to the nation. Let's just pray together. Father, we just say you're so good. We just bless the team that went in 2019. We say thank you for their obedience. Thank you for the foresight and the vision of Doug and Dawn to be able to take them to Lancaster for that K-team experience. And whatever the next is, whatever the more is, oh God, we just pray, open up the curtain, pull back the veil, and show them what is next, oh God. So, so that this church will continually be on what would be the cutting edge of what it means to be going and blessing those around them, beginning here in their Jerusalem and even to the uttermost parts of the earth, whatever that might look like. So we just say, in the name of Jesus, may it be done. May the Holy Spirit just fall upon this place and fill them with the anointing and the power that is needed to walk in the calling for advancing the kingdom in this region and beyond that needs to happen. We thank you. Bless the leadership here, O God, and we thank you. We bless this place in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll be seated. Thank you. Thank you for having us today. We're just so thankful we could be here. And like Wes said, we're going over to Emma now. And um, we're just so grateful to be able to be in places like this to stir our, stir our hearts together, right? What it means to be disciples of Jesus. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm not going to be preaching for a half hour. So, yeah. But I, but I still have a, a few things that I think are neat connections with what we've been doing with our sermon series, uh, some of the comments that I had prepared, um, and a bit of their presentation. Um, it connects. A um, couple things. Uh, the, the 2019 trip that uh, Dawn and I were part of, we, we did not lead. Jason was the youth pastor here yet. Um, that was a, an MYF trip out to, uh, to Pennsylvania. Um, and so I, I thank, again, the congregation for that commitment to supporting our youth and the different trips. Uh, we, we were blessed to be part of that. Uh, the song New Wine that was just sung. I think that was when we were introduced to that song during that trip. Um, their group led us and... So again, a connection from that trip to, to what we just sang. And, you know, Wes referred to impacting the nations, which was the, the emphasis here. A bit of what I want to take just a few comments or a little bit of time to talk about is the impact of home as well and the impact of the kingdom. So I want to start with uh, the scripture reading, uh, 2 Timothy 1. 
verses 1 through 12. So 2 Timothy 1, verses 1 through 12. This is Paul. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ, our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I, am, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed, because I know who I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him from that day. So our, our scripture um, is a bit of a break from First Peter. We've been going through the... Uh, series on standing firm. And so my, my main point today is that this still is a process of standing firm. And my point is that it is because we live in a world that needs stability and the home. As Timothy experienced a grandmother and a mother who had a faith, he learned that home, that Christian home, is something that is vital to provide stability for us and provide stability for the world. And sometimes the world doesn't understand what that might be, doesn't understand the language. So I was going to look through some of the verses a little bit, and I do want to just point out just two verses a bit. Verse 7 says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And just real quickly, the, the, the Greek word for timid, timidity or fear, is dahlia, and it refers to a cowardice. So the spirit of God does not make us timid, does not make us a coward, but it gives us power, the Greek word dynamis. Power, ability, and strength. Gives us love. And the word here is the agape. A self-sacrificing, always giving kind of love. And the word for self-discipline is sophronosomos. 
which is a process of self-discipline, but that word also refers to demonstrating prudence and wisdom. And so God has given us a spirit that is to be wise, that provides prudence, that provides a self-sacrificing love, that provides power and strength. And, And those three things are not things that we provide ourselves. Those come from God. And the result of that is don't be timid. Don't be afraid. Don't be a coward. Stand firm. And the last verse I want to refer to is the last verse I read, verse 12. I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have trusted him until that day. And we we do have doubts. We have concerns that come into our lives. We have questions, things in our life that don't go well for us on this earth things that don't always seem fair. And, and we'll have failures, we'll, we'll make mistakes. You and I are going to sin. There will be heartache, there will be loss. But that statement, I know who I have believed, is a process of Paul not looking to the outcome of things on this earth as being the ultimate goal. God's promises are not ultimately for my experience on earth. We are blessed, but not blessed as the world understands and sees. So one of the questions I took a look at, I wrote in on Google, what is God's ultimate promise? And I went to this direction, Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And Jesus.net had this quote, said, Jesus is the ultimate promise because our eternal salvation rests in him. One day we will pass on to the other side and the only promise that will still carry us, the only promise that bridges our life here with our eternity there is this promise, the promise of salvation found in Jesus Christ. And so as Paul's writing, I know whom I have believed. That's the basis of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, Matthew 7, 24 through 25, Jesus was speaking to the crowd. said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And in 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 11, Paul reminds us, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given us, I laid a foundation as a wide builder, wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the rock and foundation on which we lay our faith. Jesus is why we do what we do. Uh, Timothy's grandmother Lois, his mother Eunice, they had a faith 
that was planted on that foundation and rock of Jesus Christ. They had a faith that did not waver, that was not timid. Now being human, they made mistakes and they failed as well. But they were faithful. And part of what Yvonne and Joe were presenting were individuals that don't have and haven't heard the story of faith. Not everyone grows up in a home that is faith-based like Timothy. But that's what we're called to be as the church. A setting of brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers, aunts and uncles, for everyone that walks in our doors. Because we're not going to all be able to go. But we can send. But we can also welcome that third one right there. We need to welcome. Open our arms. And not just on the first day. The second. The third. The fourth. The fifth visit. And we need to be committed to welcoming. More and more readily. family faith and the stability that Timothy experienced and that many of us have experienced in our life growing up not to be taken for granted but it's, it's to be valued it's to be praised it's to be embraced and it's to be shared so one of the things that um, Del Tackett in the, this, uh, the class that we dealt with this past winter was talking about is uh, spread the word within your neighborhood. Look to your left, look to your right, look across the street, make connections with your neighbors. And I would encourage keep doing that. But I would also encourage you within the pews where you look right now, look to your left, look to your right, look behind you, look in front of you. There's individuals that need encouragement, encouragement and support here as well. It's everywhere. So who do you see that needs that support and encouragement? Maybe they need a kind word or a smile. Maybe they need a visit, a cup of coffee, an opportunity to talk, to share. What struggles are we going through? Be real. You don't need to open up and spill necessarily your guts, but you've got to share and be willing to hear somebody else. Be willing to communicate. Be willing to fellowship. A fellow believer or a new believer may need that foundation that you and I were able to experience as we grew up. So can we help them find that footing? Can we give them support and encouragement? Are we willing to open ourselves up and receive that support and encouragement ourselves? Will we take the time that's committed for growing God's kingdom? Will we stand with them? That's what EMM is asking us to do nationwide. Let's commit to doing that, but let's commit to doing that within our 
body, within our families as well, because I know whom I have believed. And let's share that story of what God has done for us, where we stand firm, how we stand firm, why we stand firm. Jesus Christ is that solid foundation. Let's stand firm there and let it be known, let it be shared.